Hi there, Pastor Austin Vondracek here. Thank you for joining us at Rosewood Church Online. My prayer for you is that this message will be used by God to bless, teach, and challenge you today. And whether you call Rosewood home and are catching up on a past message, or you're one of our many long-distance partners who tune in every week, would you consider giving back to support the ministries and missions of Rosewood Church? You can do so easily through our website, rosewoodchurch.org. And if you're listening and you're local to the West Michigan area, we would love to have you in person when the time is right for you. Again, I pray this blesses you and helps you grow in your love of Jesus Christ. Good morning, everybody. My name is Austin Vondracek, and I'm one of the pastors here at Rosewood, and it's good to have you all here today. I'm excited to be starting uh, what I thought was just going to be one message with you, but as I was planning, I thought, oh my goodness, this is impossible. So now you're getting, you're getting two. So uh, I guess now, I'm, I, this isn't a message, this is a series, I guess now is what we have here. A series called uh, Wide Reach, Strong Roots. And uh, this, these next couple weeks will help give a little bit of definition as well uh, to what you found on your seats here this morning, or if you're watching online, the, the link that is in uh, this description. If you don't know what I'm talking about, um, just look under you, and in the future, be more careful where you sit. So, uh, but, uh, uh, but let me talk about that just, just real quick here. Um, so over, again, over the next two weeks, we're going to have this series that kind of goes along with what we are looking to accomplish through, through these sheets. Now, these, these sheets or, or this link in the video uh, are going to be available for the next three weeks. And the purpose of them is, is really uh, threefold. For one, uh, by you, by, by everyone filling this out, we are going to get a better sense of the strengths of Rosewood Church, where the gifts, abilities, talents, and, and skills kind of lie. And then also, we can use that to better plan for the future. We want to be able to play to our strengths, and, and our strengths are our people. And so if we can better understand uh, where we are in those things, we can plan more effectively for the future uh, so that we have meaningful ministry here uh, at Rosewood Church. And then the third purpose uh, is to help to align you with uh, ministries uh, that intersect with your gifts and abilities, places where, where your God-given gifts and your, your, your learned talents and all those things, uh, where they can come together uh, for the glory of Christ through his, uh, through his church. And so this is, we're asking everyone to fill it out. It's not just like a, it's also not like a member thing. Like let's say you've been around for a while, you're not technically a member, that's fine. If you call Rosewood home, you're a part of this church, and we invite you to fill one of these out or complete one online. They're the same, one or the other. And uh, if, you're, if you're in person, if you fill out a paper copy, uh, there is a, a, a basket right outside the sanctuary doors. We ask you just to drop that in there this week or on a week coming up because they're going to be out for the next couple weeks. And so, uh, you know, again, be careful where you sit because they're going to be there for a couple more weeks. Even if you fill one out today, we're not going to keep track of where you sit and make sure that your assigned place doesn't have a, a, a paper. Uh, so uh, just, just push it to the side. Uh, also, uh, even if you are, say you're, and, and many of you, this is the case, you are connected at Rosewood, you're serving, you're, I mean, you're here eight nights a week, you are a part of this church and involved, and maybe you think like, ah, you know, I don't need any more help finding things to do around here. Um, 
that's fine. We still ask you to complete it, again, because this is not just a sign-up, okay? This is far from a sign-up. It's bigger than that. Again, it's to help us identify strengths both in the present and to plan for the future. Uh, so, so please do that. And then as you do, uh, we will, you're going to be able to see, beginning next week, you're going to be able to see a, a tree start to grow uh, on the window uh, in the lobby. And, and every uh, form, online or in person, every Every form that's completed, uh, we're going to add another leaf to that tree, and it's going to grow, and it's going to grow every week. And then, and then we're going to put your initials uh, on one of those leaves. So you can, next Sunday or, or on a future Sunday, you can look and you can find your leaf. Um, or you can, I guess, find how many people have your same initials. Uh, either way, uh, you, that, that's part of kind, of kind of bringing this to life. And, and uh, we're going we're gonna to play a little bit with that, uh, with that tree metaphor in the way that the psalmist does and, and that Jesus does as we get into uh, this series um, together. Uh, this week, I, um, as I was kind of prepping for this message, I had an interaction with my neighbor, a neighbor who uh, didn't realize I was a, a pastor. And uh, so it, it kind of made me think, like, you know, once, when you're a pastor, one of the unfortunate things about it is that once people find out you're a pastor, many people don't treat you the same. Uh, they just, like, have a hard time, not in a bad way, just have sometimes a hard time, like, interacting with you the same way ever again. And, and so after talking with my neighbor, I realized uh, there's kind of three categories that people fall into after they find out, at least that I'm a, a pastor. Some of them, they become overly religious, or overly spiritual. Uh, it's kind of like they start using language that they don't entirely know how to use, but they feel like they either have like something to prove or like that's how they have to talk. It's kind of like they suddenly put on clothes that don't fit anymore, and they're just kind of, it's kind of a little wobbly. Uh, other people become overly self-conscious. Now, those are the people who, as soon as they find out that I'm a pastor uh, and that they've been talking to a pastor, you can tell they just like go into rewind. It's like, what have I said? <laughs> and then the last one, overly aggressive. Some people see, like, pa- I, I don't know. I'm thinking, like, some people are like, oh, pastor, fresh meat. And so as opposed to overly spiritual, who put on, you know, this language that's not really them, but a little more spiritual. And for the overly aggressive, you know, that's where, like, the person, the profanity goes up. The dirty stories go up, almost like, like, hey, maybe I can shock this person a little bit or, or uh, uh, easily offend them. So once the cat is out of the bag, and the person, if the person is not number three, once the cat's out of the bag, I tend to ask the kind of the same series of questions. At some point, I'll ask naturally, hey, do you have a church that you call home? And a lot of the people will say, yeah, I do. And I'll say, well, which one? And here's where the answers get different. For some people, I'll say which one, and they'll give me an answer. Although a lot of people will respond something like this. I'll say, well, which church do you go to? Um, I go to, um, it's the one, um, well, okay, it's the the big one um, out on such and such a road. That's the kind of answer I'll I'll get, and I'm like, okay, does, does it have a name is usually the follow-up question. I remember one time I was out, out uh, it, was, it was within a year after I started here, and I was out at a store, and I was talking to a, a woman, and we had, went through a series of questions, hey, what church you go to? And, you know, I, I, uh, one on 28th, and I was like, okay, there's 13 on 28th Street, so like, which one? And she goes, uh, uh, it's um, the, the one, we just got a new pastor, 
the younger guy. And I was like, oh, is it Rosewood? They're like, yeah, it's Rosewood. I'm like, oh. <laughs> thanks, thanks. How are his sermons? Yeah. <laughs> you see, I, I, anyway, I bring that up just to say uh, church means different things to a lot of different people. For some people, church is like their whole life, their, their social life, their spirit. Everything kind of revolves around the, the community of believers that they call home. For other people, church is almost like this spiritual security for them. And, and that's where we get into some of those that, that are, you know, can't remember the name of the church, right? Or, or, or we kind of have some, some names for, for these people. Now, I'm not picking on them, but we all know these names. Like the Creasters, right? Christmas and Easter, Come on, Christmas and Easter, you're a creaster. Um, another is the CEO, same thing. It's Christmas and Easter only. Uh, CMEs, Christmas, Mother's Day, Easter. Yeah, three times, three times a year. Uh, so anyway, there's a lot of names. But here's the thing. Deep down, I think many of these creasters or whatever you want to call them, many of them, uh, uh, whatever your preferred label is, there's this thought underneath it all, which is just in case. Just in case, all right, just in case something happens, I've got my church attendance to fall back on. Just in case heaven's real, I did enough. Just in case a pastor asks me where I go to church, I'll, I'll have an answer. It's easy to pick on the, the just in casers, okay, and, that, and that's not my purpose today, but, but sometimes, sometimes the people with the greatest church attendance, perfect church attendance, who are doing maybe the labeling of the just-in-casers, can, uh, can be labeled themselves. They're not attending just-in-case. They're attending just for me, just for themselves. For them, church is ultimately about them. Worship is about them. Decisions are about them. Uh, it, it's all, church is about what you get out of it. it it's it basically, it turns a sermon or a worship or some sort of ministry into almost like this commodity that uh, you, you consume and then you can give a rating to between, between one and five. And see, the, the just for me mentality, I mean, we have as pastors, we actually have a, a different name for just for me. Uh, we call it just a pain. That's, that's our name for, for, for people. They're just a pain. I'm just kidding. We don't call anyone that, I promise. Uh, so, so here's the thing. With, with, uh, uh, to be fair, though, the just for me mentality, okay, just for me mentality is I don't believe black and white, okay? So I don't believe that there are people who attend church, who are part of a church, only for them. It's all about what you can do for me. And then there are other people who it's like, this is all about God, and just like approach church perfectly with like this spotless mentality. I don't believe that you can just put people in one or two. I think it's a spectrum. I think we all have, have areas where we, where we look at church with this, with this healthy, holistic uh, way of like, I am here to worship the Lord out of just gratitude and sincerity and love that Christ first showed me. I am here to worship, and it doesn't matter the songs. It doesn't matter this or that. Like, I'm, I'm here. Um, I think there's some places where we're like that and some places where deep down, yeah, it's a little bit self-serving. And the same for just in case. I think that there's a lot of us who, even if you're here every single Sunday, there might be a little bit of kind of just-in-case in you. Have you ever gone to church because you feel like if you don't, something would happen? So you go, just in case. So 
the, I bring this up because the just in case and the just for me are just not what God intended for us in ways to view the church. In fact, I would argue, as we're going to look at through this, through this series, that what these can do is, is rob us from what the church is actually meant to be. Meant to be through us. Meant, meant to be for us. Meant to be for others. And it's just not what, what God had in mind. The just in case and just for me pull us short from what it means to truly be transformed by Christ through a Christian community. In fact, this is long before the church was ever started, ever established. Our, 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 uh, our spiritual ancestors uh, uh, understood and valued community. And this is how the psalmist describes this spiritual community in chapter 92. He starts by saying that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. Okay, that may not feel all that inspiring. Who wants to be a palm tree? Who wants to be a cedar tree? Yeah, we've kind of lost some of that imagery with time. See, the cedar, cedars of Lebanon, the cedar is known for its durability, its attractiveness, its smell. You ever been in a lumberyard that has like, oh, it's just cedar? Oh, it's so good. I worked in a lumberyard as a kid. It just brings me back. And, and, and in fact, there's, I mean, there's a reason why King Solomon, when he built the temple, and it's one of the ancient, modern, or ancient wonders of the world, when he built the temple and wood was required, what did he use? He used these. He used cedar. Why? Because it was attractive. It was built to last. It was beautiful. God says also that, that, that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. Again, palm tree, what's up with that? Well, for... Palm trees, palm trees represented victory. You see, like the Olympics are finishing up right now, and all these gold medals are going to go home to their new home countries. But back in the day, like in the day, I mean, when the Olympics started, you didn't get a gold medal, you got a palm branch. Why? Because palm branch represented victory. When you see a, a gold medal, that's kind of the same imagery that we attach to a palm tree. And also, what these two actually have in common is they're both evergreens. And evergreens, they never shed their beauty. They're always flourishing all year around. They flourish, they're green, they're full, there's no off-season. But here's the thing, the psalmist isn't done. He says that the righteous will flourish like a palm tree or like a cedar of Lebanon. But then he kind of doubles back and he says, Planted in the house of the Lord, they will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green. It's beautiful because he, he says the, the righteous will flourish. But he comes back and he says, but that flourishing is conditional upon being planted in the, in the courts of our God, in the temple of the Lord. You know, that's a, a really interesting distinction I think is important to make, which is that there is a difference between just being righteous, being made right with God, and one whose faith is flourishing. And he says, you want to flourish? Then be planted in the house of the Lord. Just, uh, just like a tree, you've got to be planted. And, and so what are we supposed to see here? Well, through the eyes of the psalmist, he's saying that your life is a lot like a seed. Your life, my life, all of our lives are a lot like a seed. And the thing about a seed is a seed is, is nothing if not potential. That's, a seed is all potential. On its own, if a seed never sprouts, if it has no intention of, of sprouting, what is a seed? It's just dirt. It's just, what is it? It's nothing. If a seed isn't planted, if a seed isn't, isn't, 
isn't allowed its opportunity to grow, it loses all of its potential. But a seed has the potential to grow, to thrive, to flourish, to bear fruit, to multiply. And you are, according to the psalmist, you are a seed with unbelievable potential. But a seed doesn't release that potential until what? Until it's planted. And if a seed goes unplanted, what happens? It just, well, it just lies dormant. It remains unchanged. It bears no fruit. It, it squanders its potential. Long before any of these connections were made by me, Jesus was making the same connections in Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus tells a parable or, or a metaphor about the sower, God, who is sowing these seeds. And the seeds fall in four different places. Some fall on a path, a hard, packed down path. And what happens? Seed doesn't get in. Doesn't, doesn't grow any roots. Birds come and they eat it. Some seed falls in rocky soil. Oh, there's a little bit of soil, or rocky, you know, rocky path. There's a little bit of soil in there and it gets a couple roots in. But, it, but then the scorching heat comes and it doesn't have enough and it, and it withers. And there's other seed that falls in amongst uh, thorns. And so it begins to grow, but the thorns choke it out. And then Jesus says that there's, there's one more uh, area where these seeds land. These seeds land in, in good soil, he says. And, and, uh, and they flourish, they bear fruit, and they multiply. And, and in this case, this is a unique parable because it's one where Jesus actually doubles back to later and says, here's exactly what it means. And he says that, that he describes the fourth seed as someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Jesus gave us good soil in this world. Through the church. There's no better soil for a seed of faith to grow and continue to grow than in a body of believers. We flourish when we are planted in a church, when we are planted in the house of the Lord. So if, if, we want to, if we want to grow in our faith, if we, want to, if we want to flourish spiritually, if we want to multiply ourselves, then we have to remember that we are a seed, and a seed only grows when it's planted. Seed only grows when it's planted. And a just, and a just in case or a just for me mentality can really rob us of, a, of that spiritual growth. A just, for, just in case or just for me mentality is almost like pouring poison on, on a seed. It robs it of its potential. And, and part of what that means is that going to church doesn't prove that you're planted and flourishing. Just coming to church doesn't prove that you're planted or flourishing. Although I want to go back to the psalmist and again clarify that that psalmist says the righteous will flourish when they're planted. That doesn't mean that that just because you don't go to church, that doesn't mean you're not Christian. By no means. But I'm saying that God said he came to give us life and life to the full. And, And part of flourishing means doing more than just being an observer. If you're a gardener, you know this idea from at least a gardener's perspective. See, if you put seeds, you you need to put seeds in the right soil. But that's not everything. Just finding soil and tossing some seeds on it, yes, some things will grow, but there's, there's more to it. There's fertilizing. There's putting the seeds in at the right depth. There's weeding and watering and maybe pruning. It, it takes a lot of a gardener's touch. Uh, it, takes more, it, it takes more of a gardener's touch than just putting seeds on the ground and expecting a plant to flourish. And in the same way, going to church is important, but it's not everything. 
entering a church building doesn't necessarily mean that you're planted. See, there are so many different slogans and metaphors and ideas, many of which you've probably heard that get to this exact same point. I mean, uh, here's a few. Here's a few. You've probably heard them. Uh, you're, uh, if you stand in a garage, it doesn't make you a car any more than going to church makes you a Christian, right? Maybe that. Or uh, uh, the church is not a building, it's a people. Or, or here's another one. Don't go to church, be the church. And I would say yes to all of those, of those slogans, but I would take it a step further and say, did you know that your Bible doesn't have the word church in it? Yes, you in the back. Yeah, it does. You're right. It does. It does have church in it, so long as you're reading an English Bible. Anybody here not reading an English Bible? Okay, okay good. So, so y'all are reading the English Bible. So yes, you will find the word church in it. But the word church, unlike any other word in our English translated Bible, is actually a substitution. It's not a translation. I'll show you what I mean in just a second and why it matters. Because the first, well, let's just use as an example the first time the word church appears in our Bibles. It's from Matthew 16, 18. Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my, what? Church. church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Now, the Greek word for church is ecclesia. Okay? And ecclesia literally means an assembly of people for a specific purpose. So, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my assembly, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. But before our modern English translations occurred, past translators substituted the word kircha in its place for, uh, for uh, uh, ecclesia, which directly translates to church as a physical building. Now, here's why that matters. Because our English translations come off of this. And so if we translate, you can see the, the difference. So if we're translating ecclesia, we're probably not going to use the word church or building. However, if we're translating this, which most of our Bibles do, if we translate this, then we are actually accurate in saying that the church is a building. Not a people, but a building. And this is not a Bible problem, for the record. We are not talking about, we're not talking about biblical mistakes. We're not talking about the, the, the you know, we have no, the Scripture has no authority. It's full of mistakes. We're not talking about that. We're talking about an English problem, not a Bible problem. And this substitution has, over time, it's become standardized and ingrained in all of us. And there's probably just no fixing it on an English speaker-wide level. So instead of, of tar instead of trying to, to fix it, we kind of have to target these unforeseen consequences, namely the notion that spiritual, flour spiritual flourishing as a Christian is the same as going to church, and it's not. What's fascinating to me, and, and one of the, the things that I had the privilege to be able to see uh, from traveling around and seeing the church in other contexts, namely non-English contexts, is that they don't have the same problem as we do of understanding too heavily that the church is a building and not a people. This is an English problem. Why? Because it's kind of how our Bibles are translated and, and substituted here. You go other places and this isn't so much of a problem. And the just-in-case and the just-for-me mentalities keep the idea of church 
constrained to an event to be observed rather than a community to participate in through mutual service and graciousness. But when you allow yourself to be planted, which is to say when you allow yourself to be an active uh, to be a part of an active relational spiritual community, then suddenly the church is no longer this destination you attend, but an identity that we embrace. And that's where we're going to pick up next week. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for the gift of, of this church. God, it is the, the good soil you have given us. Though, of course, we acknowledge that sometimes it certainly doesn't feel like that soil is, is perfect. God, you've given this, us this perfect blueprint of what a spiritual community is like. But because that blueprint includes all of us, then it's not everything sometimes that you imagined. But God, we thank you for the church. All of its imperfections and all of its warts and all of the, all of the things that we humbly acknowledge that we contribute to. We still thank you for giving hope to this world through this church. Through all of our churches. Through Rosewood and through every single other Christian, Bible-believing, and preaching church around. God, we are all on the same team, looking to glorify you as a community of believers, looking to be a, a light in the darkness to this world. And so, God, despite the challenges that sometimes the church presents, despite the fact that it's not perfect, and despite the fact that we're a part of it, we thank you for your church, for the soil in which we can grow when we're planted. And God, for the little parts of us that are, that are in it for us, the little parts of us that are in it, just in case. God, I'm grateful still for that seed. And I pray, God, that you can, if we are a tree, that you would prune us and tend to us graciously and kindly and with mercy. As we as a body of believers, look to each day reflect you, Christ, more and more. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you again for making Rosewood a part of your day. If this was your first time listening to us, we'd love to know that you're out there. Text the word hello to 616-300-1776, and that'll open a line of communication between us and you. Now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.